0: You're listening to Keynotes, a Kappa Kappa Gamma podcast featuring Alumni Achievement Award recipients. Get ready to hear from five amazing women about their careers, their Kappa membership, and advice they have to offer to other women looking to make their mark on the world. I'm your host, JJ Wales, a member of Beta New Chapter at Ohio State University and a former fraternity president. I'm excited to share my conversation with these women who are from five different chapters and five different schools, but they have more in common. They are inspiring, fun, dedicated, hardworking, and unbelievably accomplished. Each has made such a significant contribution in her chosen field, has great respect and admiration for her Kappa membership, and is so willing to share her experience with us. Today, I'm talking with Kara Golden, a member of Epsilon Delta Chapter at Arizona State University. After a variety of corporate experiences, Kara founded and is the CEO of Hint, a healthy lifestyle brand. If you aren't a water drinker, you will be after listening to Kara. Here's my conversation with Kara Golden. Welcome, Kara. It's so nice to meet you, even if we're doing this virtually. Congratulations on your award, it is richly deserved. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Let's start by talking about your career. And then we'll talk kappa. And then maybe some advice that you might give to our listening kappas. Does this sound okay? Perfect. Wonderful. Here we go. There is a fun story about being in your kitchen, putting fruit in your children's water. And the light (laughs) bulb went off that maybe this concoction could be a business. So two questions. Is that a true story? And why were you putting fruit in water?
1: Yeah, so I was actually putting it in my water. Ah. And uh, after giving up my diet Coke, I was drinking diet Coke and diet soda for years and thinking I was actually doing the right thing. And I was just doing a little test after frankly, kind of giving up on my test around different diets and food that I had been eating. I'd always been in pretty great health. And over the years, I was in tech and was doing a ton of traveling and running around and not really paying attention. And somewhere along the way, I had three kids under the age of four at this point, I had gained a bunch of weight, developed terrible adult acne, which I didn't even have as a teenager. And my energy levels had sunk tremendously. And so I had started reading after I left my role at America Online, I was I was running their e commerce and shopping channel. I was you know staying home with the kids and I decided while I'm trying to figure out what I do next I'm gonna start working out and eating healthy and exercising and I was already kind of doing that but that's when I really started reading labels and for some reason I never read my diet soda diet coke label because I thought diet meant health and I was doing just fine one day like I said I turned my label around on my Diet Coke, not really realizing what I was going to see. And I thought, gosh, there's a lot of things in there that I don't really understand. Maybe I should just do a little swap of that for plain water. Plain water for me was so darn boring. I aspired to be a water drinker. Now I always talk about that, but I thought it's just boring just to drink water all the time. And so I uh, thought, well, I can do this for a couple of weeks and see what happens, really thinking probably nothing was going to happen. But I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in the water for taste. And that's when two and a half weeks later, after drinking this concoction that I did make in my kitchen with just water and fruit, I popped on the scale after seeing my clothes were fitting a bit differently and my skin had cleared up my energy levels were back and I had lost over 20 pounds oh my goodness a weeks it was crazy wow yeah I was shocked I actually at one point thought I was sick because I thought this is you know nuts I've been trying to get healthy for a long time and nothing's been working and now I gave up my diet soda and all of a sudden my body was I guess happy right? Mm -hmm. That I was (laughs) not having these diet sweeteners in it. That's when I really was so curious why this had occurred. And I mean, frankly, I was I was living this way for about a year, still kind of trying to kick the tires, look around for that perfect tech role. And I just every single day, I would get up and I would go to the grocery store, I started looking for uh, water that just had fruit in it. Because I thought it was so easy to just go and buy my Diet Coke, right? I'd go to the grocery Mm -hmm. store, I'd pick up a six-pack or a 12-pack. And I thought, you know, I I just want something that just has water and fruit in it. Much to my surprise, everything had a sweetener in it. It was either sugar or diet sweeteners. And I didn't want to go back to drinking diet sweeteners after I had seen what I had really discovered about diet sweeteners and how my body reacted to it. And so essentially that's how Hint was born. I was really just seeing how I could solve a problem for myself just by creating a a water that just tasted better with fruit. But I also felt that by getting it on the shelf at local stores, I thought maybe I could actually change health in America and the world just by helping people drink water. So my purpose was never to launch a beverage company, actually. My purpose was actually to help people get healthy just by giving them a solution to a problem that I saw that people
0: had. It's funny how sometimes we just sort of fall into things like this, isn't it? Yeah. The Huffington Post said you are one of six disruptors in this business you're in. You're outspoken about obesity and Hint Water is helping to curb the addiction to sugar. So what's
1: your message? I think that the main thing is, and again, out of my own discovery, it wasn't just sugar, it was actually the diet sweeteners that were causing me to Mm. potentially Mm -hmm. overeat. It was triggering my brain to want that stick of gum or that piece of candy every couple of hours, you know, it was just constantly triggering, frankly, insulin resistance, even though I didn't have diabetes. Uh I mean, there's a lot of research now around what these diet sweeteners are actually doing inside the body that we just don't know. And so I think more than anything, my message is that I always share with people that the true key to being an entrepreneur, I think is curiosity. But there are so many ideas out there that people have, I still have ideas every single day, even though I'm busy and running a company and writing a book and doing all kinds of other things. But unless you have an idea of how to solve a problem, and then how to actually bring people in to help you build a company, right, and do everything that is around that, then ideas are just ideas, right? Mm -hmm. It's not executable, you have to be able to have that creative spark and that curiosity in order to start, I guess, but then also have an idea of how to solve it. So that is really the key to figuring out how you go and launch a company. You know, the interesting thing is, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, I didn't ever think about this until probably two months into getting my product on the shelf at Whole Foods. But I knew I was launching a company. And, you know, I had a new product and had a new company. But what I didn't understand, which I think is really the key to disruptive companies, is that most disruptive companies that are doing something truly unique and truly different are actually launching new categories. Mm. And so as crazy as it sounds, when I launched Hint, we're an unsweetened flavored water. So I would go to the grocery stores and find the buyers that were doing the buying for the categories. And I'd say, I have an unsweetened flavored water. It tastes really great. And they'd say, oh, it does taste great. Uh, what's it sweetened with? And I said, no, 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 it's an unsweetened <laughs> flavored water. There's no sweeteners in it. And they said, oh, we have vitamin water. It's It's great. And I'd say, oh, well, let's look at the ingredients. And the ingredients were very similar to what was in a Coca-Cola, not even a diet Coca-Cola. There were more calories 15 years ago in a vitamin water than there were in a can of Coke. Yet because it was vitamin and water, most consumers, including me, thought that it was healthier and better than it was. So there was a slew of kind of healthy perception things out there that were not really actually healthy at all.
0: Right, exactly
1: kind of fooled us. It fooled us. And so you look at the word diet, you look at the word vitamin and water. I mean, if you were taking a vocabulary test in grammar school, you would fail if you said water has sugar in it, right? I I mean, any person would say, no, it doesn't. Water doesn't have that yet. That is for sale as water on the shelf. And people's brains have been fooled into believing that they're healthier and better than you are. The crazy thing about diet soda for me, I remember very, very clearly when I first started drinking Diet Coke. It was back in the early 80s. And that's when Diet Coke came out. And my mom was a tab drinker. Of course, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to drink tab mm-hmm. because my that's my mom's mm-hmm. drink, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't drink that. But Diet Coke came out. And I don't even think I liked it when it first came out. But I got used to it. I'll even go as far as to say I got addicted to it. And what's really really sad is that the marketing is all targeted towards teenage girls. And that is where they hook them, and that is where they got me. And if they get you before you even go off to college and join Kappa and then they've got you, right? And that was me. And unfortunately, I never thought that it would impact my health the way it did and I lasted a long time before it did but even you know you think about the skin issues that I had and that came much much later your skin is your largest organ so when the insides of your body are not functioning well that's when something happens on on the outside of your skin so I got a warning that I was really grateful and thankful for and that I figured it out but how many people don't figure it out and just kind of blame it on themselves for I mean, today we think that people who are unhealthy, that it's their fault, right? We've got giant industries that are making tons and tons of money around different diet programs or diet products. And if you talk to any of these companies, especially the soda companies, and some of these food companies that are selling diet or selling vitamin this and selling health, they'll tell you that they're not making any health claims. Interesting, Uh uh-huh. And it's fascinating because I think most people do think that they're doing better than drinking a full sugary can of soda. And I certainly did. That's what I really saw in the beginning. And again, I, you know, I didn't think of myself as, okay, I've got an idea and I'm gonna go disrupt and I'm gonna go and shake up a whole category. What I thought, and pretty quietly, was that if I could just get a great tasting product on the shelf, and get people to enjoy water, then we wouldn't be talking about lots of different health issues that were just starting to exist, including type 2 diabetes and heart disease and many other things. And there are men who drink and eat these products as well, but women are really the majority of people that are targeted. And it's wrong. Well, I like how you've come at the improving one's health
0: from a different perspective which i know is kind of what you do anyway in your innovative and creative thinking i want to touch a little bit now on this entrepreneurial spirit that you've got i know that you had been at aol when it merged with time warner and it occurs to me that your experience there where innovation is really critical to survival might have helped you as you launched this new business Did this experience help fuel your entrepreneurial spirit? I know you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur, (laughs) but I think you've got that creative streak in you that is going to show up in your business efforts.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I look back on my entire career. I started, I was actually a journalism major from Arizona State University with a minor in finance, and I moved to New York City and took a job with Time Magazine and was recruited out of there to kind of what would be termed today as a late stage startup. I went to CNN and then I moved to the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. I was engaged and actually came with my husband who wanted to do technology law. He was just getting out of law school. And I had been following this guy, Steve Jobs, over the years. And actually, I remember in college, I had a Macintosh computer with a cute little Apple on it. And I was just, who did this product? <laughs> I mean, it was truly, I just thought, you know, there were these mainframe computers that I just thought, Ugh so boring and loud. And then all of a sudden, who designed this thing? So I was very into the visual of it, but also the ease of it. So when I moved to Silicon Valley, I thought, oh, that would just be so dreamy to go and work for a company like Apple. But again, I kept putting walls up in front of myself thinking, oh, I can't get a job at a tech firm. I don't have any tech experience. And I was reading an article about some guys who had worked at Apple, and they worked for Steve Jobs, and they were... Uh, launching this tiny little company that was doing CD-ROM shopping. And I thought, well, I like to shop and maybe there's something there. I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. But I, I just picked up the phone and called one of the guys that I saw in this article. And sometimes that works. And it did. And I said, hey, I just moved here from New York. I worked at CNN and worked at Time. It didn't even matter what I did at CNN and Time. I mean, they just said, oh. Those are cool companies. Come and have lunch with us. So I did, and I wasn't even looking for a job. I was just more curious. And what I realized on that day of meeting with there were five guys in an office, not in a garage, but pretty darn close, and it was ideas could come from anywhere. I remember there were a couple people with MBAs, there were a couple people who were still in college, and everybody's ideas were important. And I had come from an environment where it was somewhat formal, where you had to have nice clothes, you know, that you came to work in every day. Here were all guys in t-shirts and jeans. And I thought, I don't know, they seem to get a lot done. And it's interesting, right? What's going on? And then all of a sudden, I got a job offer. And I said, well, what exactly would I do? And they said, well, you'll be going out to retailers like The Gap and J. Crew, And I thought, Wow, that sounds fun. And maybe I'll get some clothes. <laughs> of and, course. Right? I, I I mean, I just kept thinking I, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm so fortunate to even get this offer. I right. mean, what's the worst right. that could happen? They could fire me. I just I really kind of thought eventually they'll find me out and then I'll go find something else. But it's kind of funny that I would even get this offer. Six months later we were acquired by this company called America Online. And I was invited to run this thing called shopping. And again, I kept looking over my shoulder thinking, are they going to figure out that I have no experience in any of this technology or shopping stuff? Seven years later, it was a billion dollars to AOL. And I'm running a team of a couple hundred people. And yeah, it was crazy, and I mean, I think I just felt grateful every single day because it was just a lot of fun, and we didn't really know what the rules were. I mean, little did I know that I was kind of sitting in this, I mean, I was sitting in history. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have a story from 1996 where I'm working with Jeff Bezos to build a bookshelf in his warehouse, He with him from Home Depot. I mean, it was just insane. I share the story with a lot of people now where I mean, it's just, you know, back when Amazon used to just sell books and Jeff Bezos is selling at bookshelves Right. right? It was just, it was history. And so anyway, I was in the middle of this, not really knowing it, but enjoying it. And when I decided to leave AOL, as you said, you know, we were acquired by Time Warner and... What I thought was so interesting was all my former companies were rolling up into one company, which I just thought was ironic. Mm-hmm. And so I was asked to stay on and sort of try and figure out you know, how do we bring all these people and different cultures together. And my husband worked for a company called Netscape and his company was getting acquired by them as well. So we both worked for a year on that acquisition and saw a lot of different things. And then both decided to leave. And that's when I took the break and then had the idea for Hint. But I think all of those things really sort of totaled up to me being able and confident enough to sort of know that I could go do this. I mean, I was still at CNN or I was at CNN when Ted Turner was running around the offices and screaming, right? A very different culture. I mean, it was a late stage startup, very different culture than Time, which is a hundred year old company, very buttoned up. And they all had their pluses and minuses, I guess what I'm saying. And then when I got to Silicon Valley, five guys in, you know, old pizza boxes around the office and very Steve Jobs. But again, I didn't sort of know what I was in in any of those environments, but I think what it's helped me to do by working with all of these different companies is understand that none of these people actually knew exactly where they were going. Mm -hmm. They had fears, they failed at certain points along the way, they had successes, but they had the ability to keep getting up and know to keep moving. Right. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. they didn't stay still. That was really the key thing. But they all had an idea of how to execute and solve a problem in their own way. I think that, you know, again, I mean, AOL was another one, too, where I just learned so much. At AOL, I learned about being in a hockey stick where we were adding a thousand people to our company every single week. which which is hard, Wow! right? When you add that many people to a company, and I was working out of San Francisco and traveling around to a lot of these retailers all over the country, but you know, you walk into an office and you don't know who's who, Right. right? It's a weird culture and weird environment. And I think it's something that I've been able to think about a lot as I've grown my company and also maybe even shed some light to our employees. We are not adding a 1,000 a week. We only have 200 people in the whole company. But another thing, you know, that I've learned too is I never want to get too big in terms of number of people because I think that that's where you run into kind of culture problems along the way too. And, you know, I'm always making sure that we don't have too many people because I don't want to do layoffs and all of those kind of concerns as a CEO. So... Again, I think it's really a combination of all of the points along the way that really have enabled me to be what I do today. Well,
0: and you've accumulated that learning and knowledge and been able to transfer it into what you're doing now. Kara, in your book, you talk about doubts and fears, but then I was asking myself, I wonder if she considers herself a risk taker?
1: Yeah, you know, I think at points along the way, you get more and more comfortable as you have challenges, I call them, Mm -hmm. and you realize that those are all things, maybe they went the way you wanted, maybe they didn't, but it wasn't the end of the world. And you learn to just keep moving forward. I should say one of the reasons why I decided to write this book, this was actually my journal for the last four years. And I was doing a ton of public speaking throughout the country. I was staying in little towns where I didn't know people. Couldn't find kappas in those towns. And and so I started, instead of turning on the TV, I started writing. And oftentimes when I was doing my talk at the end, there would be this Q&A. And the people would say, well, I'm nothing like you because you obviously are fine with risk or you've had it, you know, so easy. And, you know, this is not my situation and you've never had any failures. And after a while of hearing this over and over again, I thought, wow, is that what I look like? Do I look like I just snapped my fingers and it was just all so easy? Do I look like I haven't had situations, for example, when... Starbucks decided to remove us from their case two weeks before and I had millions of dollars of inventory that I had to go back and tell my investors that I was gonna have to potentially destroy and it almost shut my company down. Things like that, I thought, wow, people need to hear these stories because what's preventing them from moving forward is this facade that The people who are successful don't have challenges they don't have fears maybe they are risk takers but that they have great luck right or whatever and i thought no the the real key to being a successful entrepreneur is being able to look back at those times that you were challenged or you know that you failed or even that you had successes and learn from them and you gain more and more confidence when you see how you got through things, and really, I think, being creative, but Mm -hmm. but more than anything, being curious. I think curiosity is so underrated, and no matter what category you look at, whether it's Whitney, who just uh, took her company public, who's another Kappa, bought from Bumble, or Hint, or well, Sarah Blakely, or Steve Jobs. I mean, there's so many people. It's all, the think, the consistent thread of really just being curious is, is the number one thing. My husband
0: and I have five granddaughters. We've got one that is particularly curious, The younger one, and I'm thinking, well, this is a good thing. I think I will continue to encourage that in her.
1: Absolutely. I I share that with people all the time that I used to drive my parents crazy Uh because I was always Uh asking them why. And, you know, I was the last of five kids, and uh, I, you know, of course, my oldest. You know, sisters think that I was spoiled. Oh, I, of course. of course, thought that I got the short end uh-huh. of the stick all the time. I got uh-huh. the hand me downs, and right. And I was always like, why, why, why? And, uh, but later on, it did me, you know, well, especially when I decided to launch a company in an industry that I knew nothing about. I knew I had no experience. And, One of the things I talk about in the book is that I felt that I had to go and find all the people who did have experience in order to be successful. So I went and tried to, you know, find the answers from all these experienced people. And what I realized is that just by being curious and be willing to ask people lots of questions, you'll always have people who will not want to spend the time with you doubt that you'll be able to be successful. So they're not going to waste their time on you because they think that this is, you know, not going to go anywhere. So why bother? But then every once in a while, you'll run into people who will appreciate your questions. And I would ask the question, how do I produce a product that doesn't have a preservative in it, but has a long shelf life? And everybody said, Oh, you can't. And I would say why? And most people say, well, I don't know. Many people would say, you just can't. And I remember my parents saying, you just can't do that. And I'd say, why? And they'd say, because you can't just keep asking, (laughs) right? And after a while, they wouldn't respond back to me. And I'd sort of, you know, move on, probably, I don't know, sometimes I wouldn't, and get into lots of trouble. But I think more than anything, I think it was just a matter of what I found in business is that just having the ability to ask questions, network, be curious, was really what was needed in order to get us to where we're at today. I love the fact
0: that you've taken Hint Water and now you have expanded into other products like Hint Sparkling, Hint Kick, Hint for Kids, Hint Sunscreen, Hint Lip Balm. Um, this is a good time for a commercial. <laughs> Why did you move beyond Hint Water into these other lines? I'm, I'm thinking it's that innovator in you that you were curious about some other things and you decided, hmm, I think I'm going to look into this.
1: Yeah. The, the water came about because of my own health issue. And uh, actually, the sunscreen was next because I realized that I wasn't wearing sunscreen on my face. I, I would put it on my arms and on my legs and maybe on my chest, but I would never wear it on my face because I didn't like the feel of it on my face and it would mess up my foundation uh-huh. and my makeup. And when I got basal cell skin cancer on my nose, that's when I got a little scared. And my dermatologist said, you need to start wearing sunscreen. And first of all, the sunscreens that I would wear were $45 a bottle. And I thought, even if you can afford that, it's really sort of gouging. To have a sunscreen that is uh, expensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty crazy when you're actually trying to achieve health that you have to spend that much money on something just for a product that feels good, smells good. And so I started, I went home not even thinking that it was a product, frankly, or something that we would put under the Hint brand, but really out of my own interest to figure out how do I make the sunscreen? What are the margins in there? How can I, you know, do this in a, in a better way? And so I started making my own sunscreen. I used our fruit extracts that we use for the water to put it in the sunscreen. And little did I know that I was creating an entirely new product. Not only was I eliminating an ingredient that I was a little nervous about called oxybenzone, I had read some information on it. Uh, including the fact that in the 70s, it was approved by the FDA. All sunscreens need to be approved by the FDA to go on the shelf oxybenzone was approved by the FDA, even though the Center for Disease Control had uh, questions, right, whether or not it should be because it could actually increase pre-cancer cells uh, turning into cancer cells. And I thought, well, that's bad. I don't want that. And here I was, you know, having some sort of early stage skin cancer issues myself. And so I thought, well, I wonder if I can create a great sunscreen without this oxybenzone in it. And so I did, and I threw some fruit extract in it, and I turned it into the FDA just to see if I'd get approval, and they needed a name for the application, and so I put Hint on the application, still not even thinking that it was a line extension, but I thought, eh, I could always change it. I, I have no idea what the name of the product is, and kind of stuck we thought wow I wonder if other people if we can sell it online so we have a huge online business in addition to selling in great stores across the U.S. we we decided to sell it online what was crazy is we sold it in January that's when we got approval which is not a you know top time for sunscreen. And we weren't even going on beaches in LA and Miami and trying to get people to try it. I mean, we we had no marketing. I mean, it was just, it was amazing and crazy at the same time. And the fact that we actually had this relationship with consumers, we had this pretty decent size, not giant at that time, pretty decent size email database. And 80% of our consumers actually tried Hint sunscreen and bought a $20 bottle of Hint sunscreen without even trying the product, which I thought was just amazing. I mean, right, the trust around the water. Exactly. And these were all customers who had bought our water online, but the fact that we had water and something that people really trusted, that encouraged them to go and spend $20 on a bottle. And people always ask me, when did you know you had a brand? I mean, when was it? Because again, we were just, throwing it on the shelf at Whole Foods to see if it's stock, right? And whether or not people, that was our initial go-to-market strategy. But when we launched the sunscreen, that was when I said, oh, this is so much bigger. This is mm-hmm. this is much mm-hmm. bigger. And what the consumer is telling us is that it is really around what they look to us for as health. And so since then, we launched deodorant. I mean, that was, that was really when I looked at the... Uh, deodorant market. And I saw that there were, you know, some kind of better for you deodorants also kind of expensive. Uh, and, you know, our deodorant is less than $10. And these deodorants were over 20. And many of them had a coconut base, which is fine if you're not allergic to coconut. But I happen to be allergic to coconut. But ca- coconut, what I learned from the beverage industry, coconut is actually a class one allergen. Like peanuts, a lot of people know about peanuts, uh, but different than peanuts. If you're in class one allergens, will close your throat quite quickly. And so, our promise to our consumer with the water was that we don't use any coconut in our facilities. We're, you know, there's just we don't use any peanuts either or any class one allergens. And so, when I looked at deodorant, I said, "Gosh, there. I wonder." if there's people that just don't even know they want a better for you deodorant but they don't know that they're actually putting coconut they may have a sensitivity maybe initially it's just a tiny rash but then it turns into more so and then during the pandemic of course I was looking at hand sanitizers oh, especially sure. in the early right. you know March and a lot of them stunk and I I have a pretty good nose and uh, I said to my team you know, there's something up with these hand sanitizers. I don't know what's going on. And sure enough, they were, a bunch were recalled. And I said, they're, they're just rancid. And so at, it was at that time that I went back to my innovation days and, and I started figuring out over Zoom, how do I produce a great hand sanitizer that uses our fruit extracts from our water? And so we now have uh, Clementine, grapefruit and lime hand sanitizers that are so good. Ooh, wonderful. Yeah. Do you know, we've talked about and used the term hint a lot. So, you know what?
0: I'm gonna stop right now and say, why the name hint? So initially,
1: my big naming of the product was Wawa (laughs) and my husband when I went to my husband and I said okay I have this great idea for a product and you know I've been really helped by making water taste better I want to call this product Wawa and you have to understand I not only had three kids under the age of four I was sharing with him that I was going into this new category that I knew nothing about. Beverage, all he knows is that there's a lot of options out there. And I was pretty marketable in the tech industry. And he said, look, if you want to go back to work, that's great. But... What are you doing? Like, why, why are you going into the beverage industry and, you know, explained what I wanted to do. And I had this idea for a product. It would solve problems. It was called Wawa. He said, okay, I'm not going to argue with you because you've made some money and on your own, but I don't think it's a great idea. This like name. He was from the East Coast and I, of course, was from the West Coast. So we didn't have Wawa's out there, but Wawa is a chain oh, right. in uh, right. Pennsylvania. And so he said, if this thing is ever successful, him being the attorney said, don't do that. So as I was talking about the product, I said, so we're giving people hints. There's, you know, a hint of, and I was just kind of joking with him. And then all of a sudden I said, hint. He said, no, it's a four letter word. And I said, you're the lawyer and I'm the business person and please file and oh, by the way, I'm pregnant with our fourth child. And he said, <laughs> "Wait, what? Hold on a minute. You're pregnant, and we're you're starting a beverage company. So how? So how's this whole thing going to work?" And I said, "Well, for the next six months, I'm going to work really hard on the company, and then I'm going to have our fourth child. And you know, we have childcare and." And then I'll probably take a few weeks off and then I'll, I'll just keep. And he just, he looked at me and he walked out of the room. I didn't know if he was coming back. I, I, at one point was thought, oh, maybe that wasn't a good idea to all clump that into one. But well, all right, now he knows. And so he came back in and he said, what can I do to help? He really, I think in the early days thought, okay, if I stay close to this, maybe I can convince her to just that this is not a good idea. <laughs> but then as he started thinking about it, he thought, gosh, I get it. I mean, if you can actually get people, look how big these businesses are, that in, you know, whether it's the diet soda industry as a whole or just, you know, the diet industry. And he said, it's it's really interesting. And like you said, I mean, you're doing it. It has purpose. It has mission. And I mean, this was even before people talked about purpose driven companies. I mean, it was really truly by accident. But I just thought if I could do something that really helps people, as it helped me to figure this out, then that that just would make me really happy. And that was it. I mean, that was the moment when I thought, wow, I mean, I'm in. And he then jumped in to help me. And then after our son Justin was born, that's when the product that I had taken to Whole Foods the morning that I was having a planned C-section for my son Justin, the next day got a phone call from Whole Foods. And uh, we had dropped 10 cases in San Francisco Whole Foods. And we had a phone call in the hospital. And they said, we uh, sold the 10 cases. Oh, and good. You guys need to get over here quickly. Because- I can't have a hole in the shelf. I mean, I I need to refill it. And so that's when my husband said, I'll go do it. Don't worry about it. You just rest. And I said, okay, great. And then he came back with a card. And he said, I got a card for myself on the way home at FedEx Kinko's. And I said, you got a card? What, What do you mean? And he said, it says chief operating officer of Hint Beverage Company. And I said, oh, OK. And he said, well, everybody's asking me for a card. And I didn't know what to do. So he's still the chief operating officer 15 years later. He's a, he was our attorney for a while, but he was always the chief operating officer. And people always ask me, like, what's it like working with your husband? And I think you know, we have very different skill sets. And that's what we figured out early on. But I think raising a family for kids, especially starting a company when four under the age of six. I mean, I was not the profile of somebody who would be able to pull this thing off, right? He was, you know, extremely excited about how passionate I was and how happy I was in, in going and doing this every single day. And he wanted to help. Oh, that's terrific. That's wonderful. Yeah, there are lots of references, many references
0: to him in your book, because he obviously is a huge part of this success and and so instrumental in your life. I, I think it's just wonderful. Kara, I've read that you said that you wanted to start a company that would solve a problem, and you've mentioned that today, too. And also, I love the quote about, we concentrate on what we eat, we also need to care about what we drink. And so you essentially started this problem-solving company. And now you've chronicled that journey into your book, which I, I have loved, it's called Undaunted. My husband and I both have read it. I loved reading it. So did he. And
1: I just want to make sure that people know how to find it. So where can they go to get it? So it's called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, and it's on Amazon, and it's at lots of other bookstores, too, Barnes & Noble, etc., and it has a picture of me on the cover, so it can't miss it. There's a, I, I only mention that, too, because there's another Undaunted that's out there that was written by, uh, I believe, a former CIA agent, so it's my book's a little different versus that one just don't get them confused but it was it's you know it's really it's a journey the story really chronicles the journey of not only building hint but also people have asked me for years how I did how I did it how I built it how did I get my first job? How did I have the courage to go out and do something that I didn't have experience? What did you learn when when did you fail? How do you how do you think about things? And again, this this was my journal and I just thought just by publishing it I could really help a lot of people just go and get started and live undaunted. I loved it. My husband loved it. Actually, he was the one
0: who picked it up first. And I I finally said to him, wait a minute, I want to read that. I'm going to have this conversation with Kara. And it's a wonderful read, Kara. Really, congratulations on it. You should feel really good about it.
1: Thank you. It's
0: a great story. And it's written really, really well. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit about Kappa now. Yeah. Think back to your chapter days at Arizona State. You were the new member chairman, and that's such an important role in our officer structure and in our chapters. You serve in that role as a role model for the new members. You help create a foundation for understanding and loyalty to Kappa and for all of our members, and certainly a sense of pride. When you think back on this position, Is there anything special about it that comes to mind? And one of the things I was thinking about as I was thinking about this question was that through the information I received about your nomination for this award, as well as reading your book, you have in many respects mentored a great number of people. And I wonder if maybe this got started way back when, when you were that new member chairman at Epsilon
1: Delta. Yeah, you know, it, it's fun. I in addition to being uh part of not only the new member sort of entree into Kappa and being pledge trainer, I was also even starting before that rush chairman. And I think what I realized early on is that, you know, this fear, right, that it's kind of this fear of the unknown. And you just have to, I mean, even within Kappa, right, there's so many different people and types of people and people who come from different backgrounds. And, you know, you have this, you have this glue that brings you together, but you're always going to find your different circles, right? What's interesting, I think, from thinking back on those days, and even thinking about how that all relates today is, You know, once you leave college, you all spread out. Some people go and have careers. Some people don't, some people get married, stay married, divorced, you know, have kids, don't have kids. I mean, all these things, but there's still this glue that's there. And even I was uh, texting with a whole group. We have a WhatsApp group with a whole group of people. Some of them, I was their pledge trainer and others were my sisters of various years uh, at Kappa. My sister was actually a couple of oh, years good. older than me and was a Kappa as well. And so I, I, I knew a lot of different ages of people, but it's, funny. I mean, even on this WhatsApp group yesterday, I caught it at, you know, maybe 40 40, uh, responses in And it's funny because just hearing their or seeing their messages, I was hearing their voices Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and right of way back when, where people trying to figure it out and people supporting people. And, you know, even me mentioning to you about a friend of mine who was in Texas and she was freezing. And I told her I'd go to Home Depot and go get her a generator. And, you know, it's just, it's that, it's those relationships, but it's also, Just lending a hand and and bringing people up, I think, is something that I learned early on from from that experience. And those are still, you know, some of my closest friends. And even if I don't actually see them as often, we've done zoom calls and done different things they've all been super supportive on my book as well good they want to do you know book talks and get me to come to their various cities and bring all their friends in too which is awesome so but yeah i i think it's it's a really valid point i mean i think it it starts there but it starts with just kind of remembering that it's okay to step a little bit into the unknown and that good things happen often when you might be a little uncomfortable. You are in a learning phase, and you've got to be aware and awake to go find your people and exactly what you're going to get out of it. As I always said to people early on, it, you're going to get out of it what you put into it, too. And I think that that's an important lesson that I learn, and, frankly, I saw in so many people, especially just being a, in the new membership and the being a pledge trainer, too, that I just felt like that was that was really, really an important lesson. Well, at Arizona State,
0: you were described as sufficient self-starter and one who had the ability to network easily. You could jump into a crowd without fear. I love those quotes from people who sent them in. These are wonderful <laughs> characteristics. And I'm wondering, uh, was it possible within the chapter for these to flourish in you and contribute to what you've been able to accomplish now later in life? For
1: sure. I mean, I think that that's the thing that especially when you're going to a larger school, and I didn't go to a small school, so I can't say for sure, but I would imagine it would be helpful in a small school too. But in a larger school, finding a group of people that you can really have a voice and be able to you know have conversations with and again i think you know that was the place where i really found people that were not necessarily like me but that i appreciated their differences one of my best friends actually was somebody i met the day that i was actually pledging kappa and and you know we're still very very close today but we could not have been more different when we first met each other i still talk to her probably every every other day if not oh, wow. every day and again it's just finding somebody like that that is just they don't grow up in your same town your same situation but you just really really appreciate and watch them go through life like the ups the downs and all of that i think is really something that i'm just really grateful to be able to have a group it's not that I didn't have friends that weren't in a sorority when I was in college, but it's just harder, right? It's like you're going to class and then you don't have the same class schedule and you find the stickiness where we were always eating together and going on runs together and just doing stuff that was just ultimately building i think skills that would be useful later on in life mm-hmm. and and not only social skills but also just being more comfortable around people that again are not exactly like you i think that that's i think that's probably the biggest misconception that people think that in every sorority there's just like there's a type and that was not my experience mm-hmm. at all i think that we had in our chapter, we had all different girls, but, and we all actually got along really well, but they were very, very different in different circles of people. But it didn't matter because we all came together and we found something that we shared together that was great. That's, that's wonderful. I, my experience was very similar.
0: Was, uh, we were not all the same type, and it, it was a broadening experience which helped everything else grow from there. Carrie, you have a family, you own a growing business, you've authored a new book, you're obviously incredibly busy. But it's been shared that you always make time to stay in touch and support your Kappa sisters and what you've just shared with us, certainly tells us that this is so for you. Why
1: is this a priority for you? Well, I think it's just, it's a long term relationship, right? And it's just Mm -hmm. this network of people Mm -hmm. that has really grown with me. I think more than anything, it's just familiar and it's a group that I really trust. And uh-huh. I think it's a it's a group that I can go back to if I need something, but it's also a group that I can support. When you find that group, that that is something that just feels really good to go back to. And, and again, I think it really goes back to when you live in a world where sometimes things are challenging, and they're hard. And you know, maybe you're trying to build a company, maybe there's a pandemic, I think being able to go back to something that is familiar, where you can have laughs and cries. And you know, also, maybe you know, somebody in the network that worked somewhere or did something, and you can reach out to them and figure out who they might know, or what they might know about certain things. I think that that is really, really valuable.
0: I I agree. And there's a certain level of comfort that is just very reassuring when you have a group like that. I'm hoping that this part will be fun. Definitely. I'm going to ask you to finish a statement by filling in the blank. And I'm doing this with all of the Achievement Award recipients who are doing the podcast. And I think it's going to be fun for the Kappas who are listening to be able to hear the different answers. So there are four questions, and I will pause at the end of each one and let you fill in the blank. Sound okay? Yep. Okay, good. Number one is, the fun in my job is? Curiosity. Ah, good. Yes. We go back to that very important characteristic. That's wonderful. Okay, number two, more women should? Try. Ah, excellent. Good advice. Number three, what is more important to you today than it was 10 years ago? friendships that works perfectly with our kappa conversation i love it yeah definitely and the last one is someday i'll someday i'll figure it all out (laughs) (laughs) and and that can be your next book right exactly exactly (laughs) that's good That's wonderful. Well, you know, research tells us that hobbies are are good things to have for diversions and distractions, and I think this is especially true for busy women. I don't imagine that you have a lot of free time, but if you do find
1: yourself with some free time, what do you like to do? I hike a lot. I live in the Marin Headlands, and so I spend a lot of time hiking. I also read a lot, although with my book launch, that's been less than I would like. I have a big stack that I need to catch up on. Yeah, I mean, I would say that those two things and when travel starts again, I'm excited to do that. I, I really love exploring it sort of hits my curiosity side. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think that the fun thing about working in both tech And as well as uh, in the beverage industry and growing my own company over the last 15 years, I've been able to reach out to people. I have friends that, you know, were friends of mine in college, but have scattered and, you know, just been able to find them in all different places. So it's been fun just to know that there's this network out there as well. And and even some of my friends uh, in different cities have connected with the Kappa chapters. And I've come to to speak at some of the different chapters about building my company. And uh, it's been a lot of fun.
0: That's wonderful.
1: As you know, every career has its ups and downs and life
0: does as well. You've given us lots of good things to think about in terms of the highs and lows that you've experienced. Any final words of advice for
1: those who are listening in terms of the highs and lows? I think the most important thing, and people used to say to me, never look back. And I've always felt that by looking back, you can actually learn a lot about how maybe you didn't think that you were going to be able to achieve something and then you did. Or maybe it didn't work out the way that you wanted to when you can think about why you didn't. And so I think that that's the most important thing that I've learned is that, you know, you can go and learn from your experiences and know that whether they turned out the way you thought they were going to or not or better, you can continue to use those in order to really be successful, do what you want to do. And nothing's ever a waste of time. They're all points in your journey. Exactly. And sometimes the reflection on those
0: highs and lows or ups and downs really can propel you forward, totally. which is exactly what's happened for you as you've, you've experienced some of them. Kara, in closing, Oprah describes her friendship with her good friend, Gail King, as one that's based on shared values, pride and joy, building dreams, standing in the gap, cheering, supporting, speaking the truth, being the truth respect and regard. Friendships based on these attributes will create relationships which are solid and timeless and forever. Indeed, Kara, you demonstrate these attributes every day. You help us make healthier choices. You encourage us to be innovators. You care about people and their real stories, and you certainly are undaunted. We are so grateful to you and so proud to call you a Kappa sister. Thank you for all you've accomplished, for your willingness to share some of yourself with us, and for accepting the challenge to dream boldly and live fully. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Keynotes Podcast, a series of conversations with Kappas who dream boldly and live fully. Want more from Kappas Leading the Way? Follow Kappa Kappa Gamma on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Subscribe to Keynotes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you a fan of Kappa Podcasts? Then we'd love to hear from you. We'd really appreciate you leaving us a rating, review, or recommendation. These podcasts were made possible with the help of Beth Black, Lindsay Gale, Kaya Lim, and Susanna Teig, who assisted in scheduling the guests. Kristen Sanjeed and Maddie Sykes, who did the marketing and Ryan Gannon and Marla Williams for their tech support. A special thank you to Ryan for his production expertise and for producing all five podcasts. It has been my pleasure to host the conversations with these extraordinary women.